Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 14. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Or if you have your Bible, uh, please read it from your version. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. In this passage, to the end of the chapter, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, the Hebrew writer reminds us that refusing God is a perilous place to be. In fact, verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews is filled with such warnings. Hebrews is filled with perilous places that the Christian doesn't want to find themselves. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, there's the danger of neglect. In chapter 3, verse 7, there's the danger of unbelief. In chapter 5, verse 11, through the end of chapter 6, there's the danger of not maturing as a Christian. In chapter 10, verse 26, there's the danger of, of drawing back. Once you've, once you've gotten the blessings of God, that you, that you draw back from those blessings that you've received. And the last warning, our, our warning today, being the danger of refusing God. And that's our passage today. And, it, and it's, it's given us, uh, in a clear example by the Hebrew writer, the, the danger of refusing God. So that we don't, we don't miss the point. That's, that's, the, that's what I want you to understand today. There's, there's the example that we're given in this passage that you guys have been studying about in today's lesson in your, in your Bible school classes of not refusing God. I don't want you to miss the point. Look back at uh, verse 14 here. Look at it closer. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the glory of God. Basically, the writer is saying so far, examine yourself to see if you are at peace with all people. Look at yourself. Take a look at yourself. Are you, this morning, really, you take a look at yourself. Are you at peace with all people? Remember 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Everyone who loves knows God. There's a paradox, though. By being a Christian, a follower of Christ, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, that a sword will be brought into many of our relationships. Not peace, but a sword will be brought into many of our relationships. Not peace as the world sees it. The paradox is the peace we are to pursue with all people is a peace produced by God's Word. This is the greatest love we can show one another. The love of God found in His Word. In pursuing peace with each other, we are pursuing holiness. Holiness is peace with God. We're not only to pursue peace with all men, but we're to pursue holiness. We're to pursue peace with God. How do we do that? 
Well, to live a life of holiness means to live a life right with God. We're to live a life that's right with God. And when we don't do that, we are not being holy. By God's grace, we don't have to, have to almost make it, you see. We don't have to almost make it. We can make it. We can know that we have eternal salvation. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. You can, you can know that you're saved. We can also know that we're not right with God. We can also know that we're not holy. We can also know that we're lost. We know when we're lost. We know when we're not living right. We know that. Ignorance may be bliss, but knowing you're not right with God causes bitterness. And it's easy to fall short of God's grace when you're bitter, when you have a bitter attitude. A bitter attitude that runs amok in our lives causes us to sin. It causes uh, such sins as lying and, and fornication and gossip uh, to become easier. That's what the writer is telling us here in this passage. And, and we fall into the perilous danger of refusing God's grace, His free gift. We may even become profane. Do you see that word there about Esau? How he was a profane person? Are you profane? Are you profane? Profane to treat something that's sacred with abuse. That's what it means. To treat something sacred with irreverence, to treat something sacred with contempt. That's what it means to be a profane person. Are you profane? It's the opposite of holy. It's godless. Godless. Profane living is trading what is sacred for what is common. Let me put it that way. Have you ever traded what was sacred for what is common? Do we know those who cheapen God's idea of relationships with the perversion of fornication or adultery? Do some debase God's form of worship with some warped meaning of worship? Do some we know poison faith with their contaminated actions and lives. With warped living, do the godless dilute the truth? With a poison love, do some continue to dilute the truth? Usually in a trade, one is trading up, aren't they? Brother Parker, you're used to trading cars sometimes. And, and in a trade, usually you try to trade up, don't you? You don't try to trade down. But instead, many are trading the gift of salvation for the short-term satisfaction given by the world in our society today. In our congregation, we know folks who are doing that. In our passage today, Esau is given an example. You know the story. Esau was the twin of Jacob, both boys being the children of, of Isaac and Rebekah. You remember Abraham, he wanted a, a wife 
for his son, not just any wife, not just a, a wife from the Canaanites. He wanted his wife, his son's wife, to be a, a good woman. And so he goes back to his own people to try to find a wife for his son, not from the godless Canaanites, but from those who at least believed in God. And we talked about that last week, how Rebecca was found. She was found, this story uh, it says in, in the passage that we read last week that Isaac loved Rebecca. And, and it truly was a match made in heaven, wasn't it? Beautiful Rebecca, the, the child of promise, Isaac. God made it all happen in his providence. You remember the story last week? A truly a match made in heaven. The love story of Isaac and Rebecca, it had a great beginning. But we see in our passage today how it quickly becomes dysfunctional. They have a dysfunctional family. You've got, you've got a daddy who loves one son over the other. You've got the mother who loves one son over the other. Rebecca was barren. Isaac prayed for a couple of, couple of decades to have a, a child. He pleaded with the Lord... Rebecca became pregnant. She became pregnant with twins, and her pregnancy was terrible. It says in Genesis chapter 25, verse 22, that the children struggled so greatly within her that Rebecca literally asks, What's happening to me? Esau is born first, a red, hairy ball of fur, basically. That's why he's named Esau. Jacob was born grabbing the heel of, of Esau, which, which is the meaning of Jacob, heel grabber. And as they grew, these boys were, were polar opposites. One, Esau, he liked to hunt. He was loved by his father, as I've said. One, uh, Jacob, he, he was the more intellectual. He liked hanging around the tents. We'd call him a mama's boy today. He, he, he was loved by Rebecca more. The parents picked one child over the other. And as parents, just a side lesson here, it's not the main point. As, as parents, we must remember that our children are only a temporary assignment from God. That we've got to love our spouse more than our children. One of these days, our children will be gone and they'll be, they'll be out and about and they'll have their own families. And you'll be left with your spouse. You'll be left with your spouse. So make sure that you love each other throughout the rest of your lives. And do the best for each other. One day Esau comes back home. You know the story from this morning. If you were in our Bible classes, uh, you, he comes back exhausted from his hunting trip. He was weary, it says in Genesis 25, verse 29. Jacob was cooking a stew, a red stew. Give me some, says Esau. Verse 31, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Now imagine living during the time of Moses. Moses is who wrote Genesis. And, and are hearing this story for the first time, a time when a birthright really meant something. Today, most of us, if we have anything left after we die, it's divided up between our children equally. But the patriarchs and the Jews later, they divided their goods according to the firstborn. Who had the birthright? 
And the one who came first, the one who was born first, received a double portion of all the goods of his, of his father. Usually he took over the family, those who had the birthright. Those who first heard this story would have recoiled in horror as Esau giving away his birthright. Just gave it away. Gave it away not just for a bunch of money, not just for a bunch of cattle, not just for another birthright somewhere else. He didn't trade equally. He traded it for a bowl of stew. Just as we today would recoil at a man giving all that he acquired away. Think about what you have. If I came to your house with a, on a cold day with a bowl of chicken noodle soup and I said, hey, I got this bowl of chicken noodle soup. Give me your house and your car and everything in your bank account and I'll give you this bowl of soup. We was thinking you're crazy. That's what, that's what Esau does. Look, he says, verse 32, even his language is terrible. Look, Esau says, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Jacob, whom I, I give the benefit of the doubt, he surely is thinking my brother is not so foolish as to swear this. And the Bible does not say Jacob's thought or, or his heart. But he asks the question and Esau swears. Verse 34, thus it says Esau despised his birthright. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now fast forward. To Hebrews chapter 12, despising the birthright, despising the God-given gift in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 16 means that one is profane. To despise the birthright meant that Esau was profane. The point of the Hebrew writer is Esau and anybody like Esau. Anyone after Esau who does this or has done this, others like him, would rather take a little now, even if it means surrendering something greater in the hereafter, they would rather take a little now and be satisfied by the world. Esau despised his birthright. Moses wrote in Genesis, and he doesn't say that about Noah. He doesn't say that Noah got drunk and despised God. He doesn't say that Lot had incest and he despised God. It doesn't say that Abraham lied and despised God, but it does say that of Esau. The Hebrew writer uses the word profane, which is a Greek combination of, of two words. First word being foot, and the second word being threshold. It's something that you step on. A threshold is something that you step over or you step on, isn't it? That's what profanity is. That's what profanity is. It instructs us that when God chastens us, when God chastens us as Christians... He's doing it because he understands that we have walked all over a particular part of our life. 
a particular particular command that he has commanded. Look back at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. When we are profane, and and, uh, we will be at times, when God chastens the wise Christian, when he disciplines the wise Christian, the wise Christian, according to the Hebrew writer here, recognizes this as our prophet so that we can become partakers of his holiness. The Hebrew writer says there in verse 10, we can become partakers of God's holiness. If we find ourselves in a perilous place and are in danger of profane practices by trading the sacred for the common, we must become proactive partakers of God's holiness and fight against the profanity before it happens. There's a certain amount of maintenance that takes place in the Christian's life. We can certainly maintain these areas of our lives that I have on the screen. We can fight against a profane heart by keeping it pure. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. If we draw near to God, James chapter 4 and verse 8, He will draw near to us. We can have a sacred rather than common home. If, even though we may not be elders, we could, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, rule our house, our own house well, and our children are to be in submission. And our children could stop trading the sacred for the common. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, by obeying their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Our children are to honor their mother and father. And when they don't, they're trading sacred for the profane when you disobey your parents and you're under their roof you're walking all over the sacred command for just a moment of sin fight against profane thoughts Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 and meditate on true things noble things Just things, pure things, lovely things, and good things, virtuous things, praiseworthy things. These are the proactive weapons against the profanity of the world. We must fight against those who would step on Christ's bride, the church. Acts chapter 20, verse 29, the savage wolves, the speakers of perverse things who may even rise up in the church here as has happened in other places. We must proactively partake in the holiness of God by fighting against the profane treatment of morality by the world. Romans chapter 1 verses 24, 26, and 28 says that God will give up the immoral. Be proactive in your objective. What's your goal? Is it heaven? Is heaven your goal? Every one of us here should have our goal as heaven. Every parent here should have heaven as the goal of their child. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. If you knew the truth, yet today continually walk all over the truth, it would have been better not to have ever known the truth. It would have been better. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, We then, as workers together with them, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Have you received God's grace in vain? That's what the Hebrew writer wants to know. Have you received God's grace in vain? Have you been like Esau and been profane? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Have you come short of it? Are you profane? Are you in danger? Later in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17, it says, With tears Esau sought relief for his wrong, but it was too late. It was too late for Esau to receive the blessing, but it's not too late for each and every one of us. While today is still called today, and Jesus Christ has not come back yet, you still have hope. Won't you obey the gospel today? Won't you be baptized today? Won't you make things right with God today? As together, we stand and sing.